Welcome to Bible and Stuff, a podcast about the Bible. And stuff. I'm Glenn. And I'm Tanner. And today we are talking about the eighth <laughs> or eighth. We're, we're debating how it's pronounced. Yeah, we eighth just had a long debate about whether or not eighth, which I can barely say anyway, is eight or if it's eighth. Does that make sense? Which is what I say it is. (laughs) You say you only use the TH. You don't pronounce the T before the TH. Right, because there isn't one. Exactly. Well, Uh, yeah. (laughs) Google is unclear. (laughs) Well, here, let's do this. And today we're talking about commandment number eight. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Talking about the commandment before the, no, sorry, before the ninth and after the seventh. Really? I should have just said it that way to begin because of my lisp and we could have moved past it. I know. We we both just really made a fool of ourselves. Little fun, little fun heckling beforehand. Yeah. Anyway, we are talking about commandment number eight today, uh, which is do not steal. Don't do it. It's bad. Nuh-uh. That's it. End of podcast. See ya. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I'm curious, Glenn, it seems like most people have a, hey, when I was a kid, I stole this thing and I got caught and bought like story. Do you have a story like that? I actually don't. So I'm curious if you have one. Well, I saw the question and I was like really trying to think hard. And I was like, man, I don't physically, I don't think I've ever stolen anything and then i just had this horrible flashback (laughs) and remembered that i did i say horrible but it's it's whatever it's sin is a sin uh so (laughs) back in first grade we had these uh little teddy bear counters that Mm. we would use for math and i thought they were the coolest looking things ever like loved it when we had math time just for the pure fact that i got to play with these little teddy bears and uh, I slipped one in my pocket one day and I brought it home. And I I think I went the whole year, the whole rest of my, my first grade year without anybody knowing because I kept it in my, I, I don't know why I'm remembering all this. I kept <laughs> it in my second drawer at my desk at home with a bunch of other like things. So it just kind of blended in. And uh, I just remember one day, years later, finding it as I'm cleaning out the drawers and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I stole this. I'm a terrible person. <laughs> I didn't return it. I probably still have it tucked away somewhere. But uh, yeah, uh, that was my my big moment of, of stealing. Yeah, I actually did think of one other thing that I... Have I told the Moo Moo story before on the podcast? I don't think I so. can't really... Okay, if you don't recognize it, then I probably haven't. So my brother got given this... For some reason, I didn't categorize this as stealing. But again, sin is sin. <laughs> <laughs> he got this stuffed bear that like his um oh, first or second grade teacher or whatever had given him and he like loved it and to me like he was a little obnoxious about it like he would go to bed with it talk about how great moo moo was i said bear it was a cow a stuffed cow uh, yeah <laughs> uh he was obnoxious and also stupid no uh so he had this <laughs> stuffed cow and so i think i i literally just got like fed up with him having this thing it was coveting and i didn't have it um and so i took it one day and i hid it in my underwear drawer because you know when your mom does your laundry she's never gonna find it in your underwear drawer and so then we went to bed that night and he started crying because we couldn't find Moo and he wanted to sleep with it and blah, blah, blah. And we had bunk beds. <laughs> so I'm literally right there. <laughs> I'm literally just right under him. Just not a care in the world. Like I do, it does not bother me at all. I'm just like reveling in. Yeah. You just go to sleep without your freaking pet cow yeah. or whatever. Um, and so my mom likes to tell the story of finding Moo Moo in my underwear drawer later and being like, that evil little son of a gun. Man, so it wasn't just stealing for you. It was also <laughs> envy yeah, and a little bit of, uh, it sounded like the beginnings of the thou shalt not murder Yeah, I think I broke <laughs> most of the commandments just in that one story. All right, all of these great stories aside, we are... Going to be continuing our talk this week through the Ken, uh, the Ken Commandments? No, the oh, Ten Commandments. Apart at the seams. Uh, 
with commandment number eight, you shall not steal. So we kind of gave little stories about, you know, how we've experienced it in our own lives to some extent. Uh, I'm sure we could say there's more to it than that. But if I were just to ask you to point blank, what is stealing? How would we respond to that? Oh, um, yeah. So I taking something that's not yours, right? Okay. <laughs> that's it, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty okay. straightforward. All I right, just wanted good. to make sure everybody knew the definition. Sure, sure. And I, now, so now that we've covered that, <laughs> that's kind of how the, the outline goes this week is just simple like questions. You know, what is stealing? Got there. Why do we steal? Who do we steal from? What do we steal? And we're going to cover all those things. And then, of course, you know, at some point we're going to talk about the Jesus of it all. But I'm, I'm actually pretty excited about it. I think between, so the, the two big sources I'm using the most this week, of course, Jen Wilkin, we love her. We've We've been using her book the whole time. And then Thomas Watson, who I'm pretty sure I've referenced before, just has a lot of good stuff mm. that I think is worth working through and reflecting on. So let's start. Let's start with why do we steal? And before we actually get into any of that, I want to take the one major caveat that always seems to come up when you talk about, like if you take an ethics class and stealing comes up, the first thing people are going to say is, well, what if I'm starving? <laughs> you looked right at the notes. <laughs> I did, but you know what? I thought of Aladdin the whole time I was saying it. Yeah, so, okay, I guess that's cool. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's the first thing I think that comes to people's minds. So like, okay, yeah, I get stealing in general. We kind of all know that, yada, yada, yada. So how do you, they want to go to the interesting one. What about the person who's starving? What about the person who's just trying to provide for his family? Yeah. Is that sin? And the first thing I would say is, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> like, uh, number one, are you starving? <laughs> if you're not starving, let's not worry about that right now. Sure, <laughs> you're probably sure. not. Number two, I think we always need to be careful to use the rare example to make a judgment about the general command. Yeah. And then the last thing I would say is, as we're talking about stealing, you're going to notice that that's a general refrain we make in our heads in trying to explain why what we're doing isn't really stealing. And that's kind of where we're going if we immediately jump to, well, what if I had to steal? Is that okay? It's like, okay, well, first of all, you probably don't. Second of all, be careful, you know, making it seem as if you really have no other choice or if you really are doing the right thing by stealing because that's the way satan gets in our ear and justifies things to us and then we sin but we tell ourselves we're not all right so let's go ahead and just kind of push that whole mindset to the side what other ways can we kind of say like well why why do we steal then but let's put the starving situation type ideas to the side <laughs> uh yeah. no no more excuses why why do we yeah well i'm definitely not starving uh, you can tell just from, you know, first glance. <laughs> so I don't know what you're talking. I had to think about the other ways that we might possibly steal. And okay. the first one that, that may not be the first that comes to your mind, but it's probably one of the bigger ones for how we actually work this out in our lives is unbelief. And we steal because of unbelief when we take something because we do not believe God will provide. So mm. even if we were to go to the starving example, you are taking it upon yourself to provide because you don't believe that God is going to provide for you in a way that's righteous. Okay? okay? Okay. So there's a big example of this in the Old Testament, and it's when Israel is in the wilderness after leaving Egypt and, and breaking free of slavery with Moses and Aaron leading them. And they don't have any bread to eat. And so they're grumbling, they're complaining. And so finally God says, like, I'm going to give you this thing called manna. Actually, they call it manna, which I believe just means, like, what is it? <laughs> like, what is this thing? <laughs> and so they started calling it, what is this thing, uh, which is manna. And there was some simple rules associated with God's provision of manna. Namely, that... You would only take how much you needed for that day. And then on the sixth day, because God believed in resting the Sabbath, 
you could take two days worth. That way you didn't have to go out and gather for that, that day that you were going to be resting. And so two things I want to point out about this story, since we're not actually reading the whole thing in the text, is God says outright that he is doing this to test them. He's testing whether they will walk in my law or not, he says. And the other thing is that Moses and Aaron, the kind of leaders of this whole shindig, make it pretty clear that Israel's grumbling is not against them, the leaders, but against God. (laughs) So you're frustrated. Let's make this clear. This isn't about me and you. You're mad at God. Um, So I think those are important as we kind of look and see what happens. And, of course, as you would imagine, the first thing they do is they take more than they're supposed to take for a day. And it it almost seems like they didn't even make it to day six before they did this (laughs) because (laughs) they go and they take more than they're supposed to and they try to keep it. They try to hoard it. And uh, Moses gets frustrated with them because it starts growing worms and stinking. And then later it says, but on the sixth day when they did it, it didn't grow worms and stink. So, like, because it says that, you can kind of tell, like, what it, you get, you got to like day two, and then you're like, <laughs> let's get more. Uh, or, you know, even day one, God has already said, hey, I'm going to do this for, but you're like, but what if, but what if he doesn't? You know, I've never seen yeah. this before. This could be like a once in a lifetime thing. I'm going to take some. And then, of course, God's like, that's not how we're doing this. That's going to grow some worms, uh, which you're not going to want to eat. <laughs> and so, Essentially, what they're doing is even though God has told them, I will take care of you, I will provide for you, they don't believe him. They don't have enough faith. And so they try to take matters into their own hands. I can definitely see this playing into a lot of the uh, stealing that we may do uh, present day. Just not, I guess I haven't always thought of it from this unbelief angle before. And we'll talk more later on about like specific examples of where this could come into play. But unbelief, yeah, is for sure a place where we would find the why behind why we actually steal. Yeah, I mean, not believing God will do what he says he will do leads to plenty of sins, not just stealing, right? So even if you're working honestly, but you're working too hard, you're working yourself to death. uh, Actually, we'll talk about that some later. You are doing it because you're not believing God will take care of you like he said he would. You also have this idea that Jesus talks about in the New Testament of this like selfish hoarding, just trying to keep everything we can to, to plan for you know, God knows what. And it's all because we feel like we have to be completely self-reliant. Mm. But God actively teaches against that. So you think about the Lord's Prayer, one of the First lines is, give us this day our daily bread. It doesn't say like, hey, give us a bunch of bread. Just leave it up to us to ration it out and figure it all. Like He says, no, no, just give me my daily bread. And we pray that every day. Just give me what I need to get through today. And then tomorrow, give me what I need to get through tomorrow. And God has said that that's what he will do. You also think of the parable Jesus tells where where he talks about the uh, the birds and the lilies. He's like, listen, mm-hmm. you're worried about all these things, but there's birds that fly around and they get food every day. So, like, if God's going to take care of just some bird, why wouldn't He take care of you? Kind of like the crown jewel of His creation. Yeah. And if you're worried about what you're going to wear, then look at the flowers. Like these are just plants, and they are prettier than Solomon in all the riches he had. So if he's going to take care of that, he's going to take care of you. And this is all a challenge of our faith. In fact, at the end of that story, he says, O you of little faith, therefore do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what should we wear? For Gentiles seek all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But first, and this is key, seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So the problem goes beyond just wanting to be self-reliant and and not having faith that God will provide for us. But in fact, you see in that last bit there, it's that we're not kingdom-minded. We're too worried about building our own kingdom, making our own like storage sheds full of grain and money and gold and whatever we want to call it, and we're not worried about enough about 
being a part of what God is doing, bringing his kingdom down to earth. Yeah, I I know we're using unbelief as uh, a core reason under the why we steal for commandment number eight. I'm, I'm intentionally not saying eighth commandment. <laughs> <laughs> um, but unbelief, especially in that verse, in, in the kingdom-mindedness that you're talking about, stems all sin, I feel like, is the... Yeah. Uh, the easiest way to to go about saying it. I I don't think there is a sin that unbelief isn't a a grain of truth that it started from. Yeah. Well, especially when you tie it into that almost like pridefulness of trying to build your own kingdom and and not build God's kingdom. And we'll get to more on that later (laughs) too. Um, So the second thing, let's kind of move on, keep an unbelief in the back of our mind is covetousness, which we'll actually talk more about when we talk about the 10th commandment, which is do not covet. But if unbelief is us not trusting that God will do what he said he will do, coveting is thinking that God got this wrong. Like he he misappropriated these funds here. <laughs> he gave my neighbor this thing, but really I deserve that thing. Like Mm. my neighbor has the nice car or the bigger house or I mean, it could be like the the better looking spouse or like the better behaved children. And so you covet because you think you deserve those things. And sometimes you push past to the point of I'm just going to steal it. I'm going to take what I feel like is rightfully mine. So again, it does go to that place of pride and thinking that we are worth more than we really are in that sense, if you don't know what I mean. Yeah. So the third one, and they're kind of in two categories here. So the last one for this category is is similar, but slightly different. And I would call it greed. So the first two I actually pulled from Thomas Watson, and maybe he's smarter than me, but I feel like this one's still in there and he didn't mention it. So I wanted to talk about it for a second. And whereas covetness, covetousness, which is another word that's hard for me to say. Yeah. I say <laughs> which, covetedness. Okay. We'll roll with that. <laughs> uh, that's believing that God got it wrong. Greed is often just believing that you deserve more, but what it's leading to, the big idea is I need to get as much as I can now. Mm. But the real truth that we're denying when we do that is that we should be storing up treasure in heaven, right? God is preparing a place for us in the afterlife because now we're supposed to be kingdom-minded, remember? Yeah. <laughs> but instead, we're, we're being greedy and we're thinking, how much can I amass? How much can I build? And we're not planning on God providing for us later. We're going to try to do whatever we have to do to get some now. And greed doesn't always mean stealing, but often it does, right? So as soon as you get into that love of money, you start to remove moral barriers that would prevent you from getting more. Okay. So all of these examples that you've given so far, uh, to me, almost feel like they stem from an unbelief uh, type beginning state. But we also have one in here that is uh, as as we've written, an external cause. Uh, yeah. So I, again, still lands on us. It's still our sin, but uh, the idea of temptation coming into play. Sure. So this is another one from from Watson. In his old language, he calls it Satan's solicitation, which I like. <laughs> I think that sounds cool. But I mean, this goes straight back to the garden for us, right? I mean, the first theft recorded in the Bible is God telling Adam and Eve not to eat of this one tree, right? And it's sure. all they're all his trees. All of them are his trees. And he says, hey, there's some of them you can eat from, and then there's this one that you can't eat from. So not only does he warn them that they'll die, but if you just take it back to like, hey, this dude's letting you live in his garden and rule over this thing, you, you should do it by his rules, and they don't. They break the rule. Yeah. And Satan solicits Eve. He kind of tricks her into thinking that she should do this thing, or maybe she deserves that thing, or maybe God didn't actually prohibit that thing, and so she steals the fruit. And 
this is a picture of how we can give in to this temptation. Uh, Satan wants us to sin. I mean, that shouldn't be a surprise, right? He wants to whisper in your ear and reinforce these wrong beliefs that we've just talked about when we talked about unbelief and covetousness and greed. He wants to tell you like, yeah, that's you're thinking the right way now. Trust me, it's it's okay. But obviously, he's a liar. He's a deceiver. That's literally right. his whole shtick. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> what he does. So Eve was the first one who kind of took on this identity of a thief and desired something that wasn't hers. And in order to get it, she had to take it. Yeah. So we we're we're about to take just a short break, but we're gonna find out pretty soon that that thing that Eve did and that person that Eve took from God, we continue that trend later on. Uh, So we're going to talk about that a little bit more when we get back. I don't know if you noticed, but the whole time we've been doing this podcast, we've actually been on the International Space Station. Yeah, it's it's been a wild ride for sure. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's different than the ambiance we normally go for, but it's still interesting. We got a little radio chatter in the background from old Houston. You got Captain Kirk over there zipping up his sleeping bag. Uh, you know, just living our life. Yeah, I mean, it has been, it's one small step for man, but one giant leap for Bible and stuff to be able to be buskers on the International Space Station. It's amazing. I, I've never seen my scale so low before. <laughs> yeah, but if you can't, like us, be here in person to drop a tip in our tip jar, we wanted to still give you the opportunity to help us out by making a virtual tip jar. So while our Russian friends who are walking by yeah. can leave a dollar and even Chester the monkey, or I think they're running some tests on, uh, back, buddy. is able to tip in real time. You can do so through the link in the description. And that really helps us keep this thing going. Who knows where you'll see us next week. Well, we have taken time to talk about what stealing is. We've talked about why we steal. And now we're going to talk a little bit more about who we steal from. Sure. Well, and this is kind of assumed from the idea of stealing, which is there's a victim. (laughs) There's Mm -hmm. always a victim. You're taking from someone else. And again, Thomas Watson, who we've talked about before, he links three big categories. And I, and I like that there's three because the first two, you can probably guess on your own pretty easily, God and others. But the last one is self, which yeah. I think is, is super intriguing. And we'll talk about that more in a minute. So God is the first one. And, and in some sense, every sin that we do, whether it be against ourselves or someone else, is also a sin against God. This whole thing is his. And so if we decide, again, that he's not giving us what we need or that he gave that person something I deserve or whatever, we are saying, listen, God, let me tell you how I'm right and you're wrong. (laughs) And I'm instead just going to make this right by taking. So theft from God. But there's also specifically things that I think we take from God that he says are due him. The first one of which is glory. So this is like straight up John Piper, if, if, if you're a big Piper fan, and I think he does a really good job of explaining how God is for his glory, and ultimately that is good for us. But our sinful tendency is normally to be for our own glory. And instead of worshiping God, we worship fake gods, or we worship ourselves and mm. try to, again, build our own kingdoms. Yeah, so Glory is a good example, and I think we're about to hit on a couple more that I feel like it's not that we think of them as stealing and intentionally do them. I think a lot of these things are unintentionally done, and we don't always recognize that we're stealing, which is dangerous. Yeah. So yeah, I just wanted to make that point because uh, even reading through some of these, I I take time and I'm like, oh yeah, I I am stealing uh, like all the time. I and feeling convicted about this too. So I didn't mean to interrupt, but yes, we steal God's glory. No, I think that's a good point because 
you're right. We often take from God without really knowing or without really thinking through that we're doing it. So another one is time, right? God Mm -hmm. created us for a specific purpose. And when instead we use our time to serve ourselves and to not serve him, we're taking from him. You also have the fourth commandment where he says, hey, you need to keep the Sabbath holy. When we don't do that, instead of giving our first fruits to God, we're giving them to ourselves or we're giving them to our job or whatever. And those all stem from that same like greed or, or coveting or unbelief. Um, and then the last one tied into that completely is money, right? Mm. So somewhat controversial, but <laughs> the Old Testament has this idea that I think is most likely carried on into the New Testament, but there's multiple views on it. Go look for yourself. And that's <laughs> tithing, which is that we should aim to give at least 10% of our income to God, and that's usually through your local church. But when we don't do that, first of all, again, it's all his, right? So the entire garden is his, <laughs> all of the money. Not to, uh, Please don't think that I have been great about this at all, but I have always not liked the word give your money or the phrase give your money to God yeah. because it isn't yours to give. It, <laughs> he's given it to you to, yeah, I, I, it just throws me off a little bit when you say it that way because it's like, yeah, we're just, we're returning it. <laughs> it's, it wasn't ours really. Yeah, it's like if if my wife gave me like a birthday cake and then she wanted a piece and I was like, no, you're not, we're not doing that. <laughs> I was like, she made the cake. It's her cake. If, yeah. if she's kind enough to want to give it to me, like that's awesome. And then she just asks for a piece back, and I'm like, "What? A, what's that about? I don't, I don't get like that's simil- essentially the way our money, like it all belongs to God. He created all everything. He created the gold in the bank that backs your money or whatever. Right. Sorry, that that's all another <laughs> thing. But um, you're right. We, he only asks for ten percent of that back, and I mean. He kind of asks for our whole lives, <laughs> and, he, and he asks <laughs> us to steward the rest of that 90% well so that we can love God and love people and serve him well. But as far as giving to your local church and those things, I think the base is 10%. Now, that being said, repentance is a process. I understand there are rare cases where you literally just can't give 10%. Maybe. Maybe. But again, those are rare. Don't assume you're in the rare case. But in case you are, let me help you out real quick. Start somewhere, right? Give a dollar a week. Give, a, you know, a, a, a penny a week if you have to. Start somewhere and work towards greater repentance and greater faithfulness to what God has called us. So that's tithing. We'll probably have to do a whole episode on that sometime, but it's another way we steal from God when he gives us everything and we refuse to give any of it back to him. Yeah. So now we're kind of moving into this area where I think most of us kind of automatically go to when we think of stealing and that is stealing from others. Yeah, this is where this is where most of the magic happens. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I I don't necessarily think that's true. I think this is where most of the physical stealing happens. Where yeah. the most recognized. Yeah. 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 You're <laughs> absolutely right. Yeah. So the second group we steal from, as I already mentioned, is others. And I think the thing to address right out of the gate is most of the time we work really hard to convince ourselves that we're doing it in a way that doesn't really hurt anybody. So uh, there's the obvious examples of people who like jack a car or take something big. And I think we could pretty all easily agree. Like that's wrong. It, there's sure. like, you know, big laws and big fines that come down on you when you make those. God's not for that kind of thing, but I want to make the case for the things we often brush under the rug. And first I'll say that there is I believe we already mentioned this, but there's no victimless crime, right? And a big one this happens is when you think about like companies, you immediately like you don't feel bad for like kind of cutting corners when it comes to like Amazon or even like Walmart sometimes. Like it's a lot easier to convince yourself that like, 
you know, if I do this thing that is not technically stealing. So, like, here's an example. I heard a story not too long ago of someone saying, like, yeah, when I go to the supermarket and I do the self-checkout, whatever produce I got in my bag, I just put it as potatoes or whatever the example was because they're cheap. Like, I just... (laughs) Like, so you just lie about what it is? Yeah. Are you turning water into wine over here? Yeah, so we can easily justify that because it's not, you know, Tom's general store. We're not looking at Tom while we lie about what's in our sack. It's Walmart, and those people are billionaires and all those things, but it's still wrong, yeah. and th- it still affects people. So uh, Jen Wilkin has a good quote on this. And it's stealing, quote-unquote, helps the individual at the expense of the community, right? So you take, and and it hurts someone else because you're now removing something that they had. So that act in and of itself is an expense, but also the work that it takes to rectify the act is an added expense. So when you take someone's goat, not only do they not have to have a goat anymore. I'm sorry, I went back Israel real fast. Uh, (laughs) Not only does my neighbor in the suburbs not have a goat anymore, but now they have to go out of their way to get another goat because if they had a goat, they probably needed the goat. And so, yeah, we're we're double hurting someone in order to personally gain. And I think that applies even to big, faceless corporations. So Robin Hood is in the wrong. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's another way we justify it. It's like, well, yeah. if I'm taking from the rich and I'm giving to the poor, that's okay. It's like, well, that's a cool story, but also uh, not something we should emulate. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so Wilkin has another quote that I loved here, which is, stealing's an expression of contempt. If I can steal from someone, I'm probably not going to pray for them or seek their good. Stealing praise, again, my kingdom come, my will be done, as opposed to what God would have. And it turns to my neighbor and demands, give me this day my daily bread. Mm, that's good. I like that. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, no, it wasn't you. No, I wasn't yeah. complimenting you. Sorry. <laughs> Jen, I like that. Thank yeah. you. Thanks, Jen. <laughs> so now we've come to the most interesting one, I think. Yeah, yeah. Which this is one self. I'm curious to to kind of talk through because – in my mindset, when we were talking about God, there were a lot of those concepts that I was like, yeah, I kind of skirt over those in my mind sometimes. But self, I don't, even, uh, I don't even think about this. Yeah. So Watson gives a few examples, but these two I thought were especially helpful. The first one he brings up is miserliness, which maybe isn't a word we, don't, we use that often anymore. My mother-in-law's last name is Miser, so I thought it was kind of funny. Uh, <laughs> but that's what it means. It's like, you know, being cheap. And I also thought this was, like, pointed and helpful towards me and my family because Lauren and I are one of these each. <laughs> so okay. Lauren is very miserly. Watson describes this as not allowing himself a person what is needful. So you don't give yourself things you actually need. You're so worried about saving and scrounging every penny that you don't actually get the normal things that you need. You Instead of eating the daily bread God gives you, you hold on to it because you're too afraid to enjoy the things that he gives because what if or mm. whatever. You know, there's a million reasons And I don't think there's a ton of people that struggle with this, probably. But I do think there are some. And I think, like I said, that's kind of my wife's bent of I almost have to, like, convince her to buy the things that she actually just needs. Like, hey, I need new shoes for work. I've needed them for six months. Like, you should have bought them six months ago. (laughs) But she feels kind of this inherent guilt about needing things. And we shouldn't find ourselves, we shouldn't be in that position. Like God has given us things to enjoy, right? At the same time of God being very strict about a lot of things, I mean, we're literally talking about 10 big rules that he gives. He's also a good God in that same garden where he said there's one no-no tree. There was also a bunch of yes trees, right? right. So yes, we're not supposed to take what's not ours, but we're certainly supposed to enjoy the good gifts that God gives us. 
So now what is what is this opposite one that, that you... <laughs> What's the one I struggle yeah. with? Yeah. Uh, so the other one is wasting your estate, <laughs> Watson okay. calls it. And the example he gives, us, which I thought was really helpful, is the prodigal son. So it's this wasteful, lavish living. If you're not familiar with the prodigal son story, he kind of goes to his dad and says, hey, give me my inheritance now. I imagine he's like a young, you know, 20-year-old, 18-year-old guy. And he goes out and just blows it all. And he ends up poor, like sleeping and eating with the pigs. Just slop. Because he, he's gotten rid of everything he had, living outside of his means, living wastefully. So if I did not have a miserly wife... <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, no wonder she is acting in that way. <laughs> this might be me. Now I've gotten a lot better, but this is kind of my natural bend. I'm, I'm sure. no prodigal son, but I'm a little looser with the debit card than I probably should be. Uh, and when I get bored, I kind of dream of the things that I wish I could buy <laughs> that I probably don't really need, but I would like to have. And so that's also a way we steal from self because when we blow everything that we have now, we are removing like the prodigal son ends up living with the pigs, right? Like you are stealing a future from yourself that if you were just a better steward of what God had already given you, you would have. Yeah. So uh, those are good examples. I I know you said there are more, but we're going to kind of move on to the how or really the what of, of stealing. Um, so we've hit some of this as we've been going on the way just for the sake of giving examples. But let's kind of give some more concrete examples of what we could steal. Yeah. So again, Watson gives like a whole list that's worth looking at. I want to pull a couple from him. And I also want to talk about something Jen Wilkin hit on, which I thought was helpful, which is just this idea of like petty theft. And again, we go back to the corporation idea and we think like it's not a big deal if I work at Google and I take some staples, right? Google probably doesn't have staples because they probably do everything online, but you get the idea, right? Or, you know, if you stay at a hotel and you take a towel, or if you're at the bank, again, does anybody go into banks anymore? But you get the idea. And you take the pin with you when you leave, and they're not offering them for free. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, or your coworker who really loves this pin, and you just, you know, forget to give it back. <laughs> and so... We're tempted to be like, oh, I didn't mean to, or but that was such a small offense. And I think this goes back to the idea we've talked about with murder and um, ad- adultery, which is these small offenses are the root out of which grow bigger offenses, right? So God sees everything. He sees the big offense, and he certainly also sees the small one. And so if we let those slide we're eventually opening up ourselves to erode our conscience more and more as time goes on. Jesus says it in Luke 16, the one who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. So Mm. how we treat these little offenses directly applies to how we treat the much, much bigger things too. So petty theft is definitely, to me, the most probably common (laughs) uh, form of theft that I think of when it comes to mind. But we have a couple others listed in here. And the next is the church thief. Uh, so what do you what do you mean by that? Or what does Watson mean by that? Yeah, so <laughs> Watson, like I said, gives a bunch of examples. I pulled two. And this one I thought was interesting because one, in this day and age, is probably one we, we readily identify with, which is, as Watson says, the guy who gets the golden fleece but lets the flock starve. So, you know, this is the pastor who's wearing the sneakers worth thousands of dollars, but he's not caring for the people in his church, right? This is the very much the celebrity pastor thing that's kind of all over the place. So that's also stealing, right? If if your pastor is, you know, driving a Bentley, wearing Armani, like you should probably ask some questions. But another one that Watson brought up that I thought was, may be more applicable to our everyday lives, what he calls the shop thief. And the idea here is it's someone that steals in their selling. So the example he uses is someone who uses faulty weights and measures. Like I have a bag of rice that I sell by the pound, but I really only put 14 ounces in the bag. 
And so I'm selling you a pound worth of rice, but I'm actually only giving you 14 ounces. So I'm stealing from you. And the reason I wanted to bring this up is because most of us are in the workplace in some way, shape, or form. And so I just think this reinforces the idea that we have to be moral and ethical and God-glorifying in the way we do business. I'm going to bring up two pet peeves that I think are pretty pervasive right now. And I think we need to give a lot more thought before we buy into them wholesale. The first one is I'm self-employed. So like as soon as you put that out on the internet, you get bombarded with all these like entrepreneurial schemes. And most of them are just about how you can make a bunch of money with and not work very much, which means they're, they're crap. They're not really a thing. But like one of the popular ones is like this passive income scheme where you it's, it's just a form of drop shipping where you buy like a $2.50 watch from China or maybe less and then you make a crappy little website and you sell it for 50 bucks and you tell people like you expand upon how great embellish. Yeah. yeah embellish how great the watch really is and so similar to the rice thing like you're you're not providing any more real value you're just becoming a middleman who is is tricking people and cheating people and so i've always had a distaste for the these kinds of things but as i'm working through this commandment it's kind of telling me oh i get it that's why it's because it's not just like kind of shady it's you're literally stealing from someone and so the other example that I thought of that I almost said I wouldn't bring up. (laughs) But as I've gone back and forth, I've again landed on this idea that's, I don't know that I can make a, well, let me just get to it. (laughs) And it's, it's MLMs. It's multi-level marketing companies. So personally, I've always felt very weird about these kinds of things. But again, I'm getting some clarity, I think, on why. And that's because most, I can't say all, I don't have enough time to research every multi-level marketing company out there, but most multi-level marketing companies are built in such a way that in order for the people who are at the middle or the top to make a profit, it requires a large number of people at the bottom who not only probably never make real income from being a part of this company, but actually give their money to get product or things like that that they that they can never actually sell. And so on one hand you might say, well that's their fault. Uh you know, maybe they should have done a better job. But again, someone is always going to be at the bottom. And and you have to think hard about is this company structured in a way that it kind of forces me whether I like it or not to steal from my neighbor in order to get more for myself. So I probably made some enemies (laughs) saying that, and that's not in the Bible, but I mean, as we're not friends, but I want to say like as one friend to another, we talked about this before. It's like, should I even bring this up? Uh, And it's like, you know, if if it was my friend, I would talk, we would have this conversation. And so, you know, send me an email if you want to, but, but I'm doing this in love because I think maybe we've just thought, you know what, I I can make extra income for my family and that's a good thing, but we haven't really put thought into the way that that is happening or how we are getting those funds and and at whose expense. And so if you're part of a multi-level marketing thing, just give that real thought. I cannot be your conscience for you, but think if at the end of the day, are you honoring the eighth commandment? Do you find yourself in a position that maybe when you think real hard about it, you're not quite as comfortable with as you thought? So let's move on. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Actually, okay, sorry. I did forget one thing. And that's the, the last thing I wanted to say is if the thing someone is leading with when they want to bring you into their company or their organization is how much money you will make, that to me is a red flag. If, if they are not a company with values and a mission that revolves around something besides just get dollars, I automatically wonder 
what will they stop at? Like, will anything stop them from just chasing more profit? What are their values and will those values ever stand in the way of them getting profit and them be okay with it? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Do they stand for something other than just, I'll put more money in your pocket. And even if they say they do, try to evaluate if they really mean it. (laughs) Because multi-level marketing or just bad companies, you know, uh, like it, it doesn't have to be an MLM or it could be a million different things. It could be your shady friend who wants to start a business and he's like, dude, we can make so much money. Like the first thing you want to ask yourself is, am I going to get myself in a position where I am now on shaky ground with my personal values and he does not share those. And so you want to align yourself with a company that you feel like uh, is not going to make you violate the things that you care about and the, and you serving God. All right. So clearly I have noticed that I am breaking this commandment uh, in some ways. And hopefully our listeners have felt some conviction towards some of this uh, at some point in their life. But now what do we do with that? I mean, obviously Jesus changes things for us. So how, how does that come into play? Yeah. Well, I think the first thing to realize is as we've talked about with, you know, God providing us daily bread or preparing a place for us in the afterlife, when we're stealing, we are taking what God has already promised to give us. So think of Jacob in the Old Testament. Jacob and Esau, they're these brothers, and Esau was technically the firstborn, but God kind of makes this declaration beforehand that actually Jacob is going to be the one who has his blessing and favor. And that's very countercultural at the time. But then we see that Jacob has this deceiving way about him. And he ends up stealing his brother's birthright and his blessing. So mind you, God has already declared that these things would be his. But Jacob instead takes them instead of receiving them from God. Mm. He steals them from his brother. And so that's exactly what we're like when we don't trust that God's going to provide for us every day and that God has a better plan for us after this life than just getting as much as we can out of the here and now. So we're not even good thieves. <laughs> like we're, we're taking something that's already ours. So that's the first point. But the second point is, as Jesus normally does, he kind of comes in and flips the whole thing on its head, where we're stealing from other people at their expense, at, unwillingly. Mm-hmm. Jesus comes in and willingly gives up his life, you know, gives, gives to us at his own expense. And he does that so that us, who, like Eve, have taken on this identity of thief, can now be transformed into givers. So here's how he says it. In John 10, 10 through 11, he says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And so Jesus comes as this anti-thief, to die the death of a thief. Literally, he died next to a thief on the cross right. so that we can be givers, so that we can be laborers. And that moves me into my next point, which is the three things of like, okay, what do we do now? Number one, get a job. <laughs> if you're the starving guy that we talked about at the very beginning, or if you're just a person who isn't being for God's kingdom and creating value and wealth in the world in order to further his mission, get a job. Ephesians 4.28 says, Let the thief no longer steal, but let him labor, doing honest work with his hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. So because Jesus has now give us, given us this identity as laborers and generous people, we work in order to help our neighbors instead of steal from our neighbors. Number two, Be content with what you already have, right? God's going to give you your daily bread 
Be content with that. Don't try to keep more for later. Don't try to build up storehouses so you can look like you really have it going on. Hebrews 13.5 says, Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He is faithful. We can bank on that. Hmm. And the last one, as I've already alluded to, give generously. We follow Jesus' example and we give to those in need. We become this agent of love toward our community instead of this agent of evil and selfishness and theft. So we can give to people as someone to whom much has been given. That's a little wordy, but we give to others as someone to whom much has been given. I love it. So we have kind of done this full swing, um, but just to, I don't know, make it really simple. The commandment is do not steal. And (laughs) I think, uh, like we said at the very beginning, a lot of this comes from this idea of unbelief and not being kingdom minded. But not only should we not steal, but if we are kingdom minded, these are some things that we should be doing in our lives to be kingdom minded. We should be getting a job, be content with what we have, and then give generously um, as God has given to us. And so I personally, again, have felt conviction going through this, which is great because the whole reason this podcast originally existed, uh, or at least Tanner bringing me on, was for us to talk through things that we wanted to learn more about. Um, And man, I love the episodes where (laughs) it sounds so dumb. I love the episodes where I feel convicted because it makes it that much more personal and that much more meaningful on the back end. Yeah, and I'll be honest, going into the Ten Commandments, I felt like this is one that wasn't going to bother me very much. Uh, But it, it has been very convicting. It has made me think about a lot of things that I justify or try to get away with or try not to think about too much because it's probably fine. <laughs> and so all of these have been challenging, but this one surprised me a little bit. And I hope that you found it helpful too. We hope, obviously, if it's convicting to us, that in a good way, it's convicting to you too, that it makes you think more deeply about the way you live. It makes you think more deeply about what these Ten Commandments really mean and how they're not just telling us things not to do, but they're also telling us things that we should do and how Jesus has made a way for those things to happen. So we would love to hear from you. As always, you can find us on social media. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or you can email us directly at hello at bibleandstuff.com and let us know what you think. We'll see you guys soon. Peace. Bible and Stuff podcast is a production of Bible and Stuff. We do more than just podcasts, so if you want to know more about something we've covered on the show, just visit our website at bibleandstuff.com. Our show is hosted by Tanner Britt and Glenn Brand, and our theme music is by The Sing Team. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.